G'day everyone, welcome to another Two and Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's original and the best podcast dedicated to everything Newcastle United. Uh, tonight we have a Bournemouth preview and we're joined by a very special guest before we get to him. Uh, I'll introduce Dimmy, also in Melbourne. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Um, as you can tell, I've got uh, got some paraphernalia on this this uh, this evening, looking forward to the Super Bowl on Monday, but... Uh, <laughs> we're not here to talk about the Super Bowl. We're here to talk about the Geordies, and is I think 19 days away from a from a cup final, and I've already planned my two days before the cup final, and I've already put it in our calendar. Like you see in Google, it's start drinking from about midnight before. So uh, let's uh, let's get going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just before we get to our guest, uh, anyone who's watching, or listening really helps us a lot on the uh, YouTube algorithm and, and gets us out there a little bit more. If you're listening, give us a review on your uh, platform that you listen to us. But uh, without further ado, tonight's guest is a writer for Code Sports. You can listen to him on 1170 SEN in Sydney or live and crystal clear on the SEN app, as they like to say, on the uh, station. Uh, or you can watch and listen to him right now on our podcast. Uh, second time on, so officially a friend of the pod, Mr. Adam Peacock. How are you, mate? Good yourselves? Very well, very well. Fantastic. It's, uh, excited to have you on, and like we've been saying for a couple of weeks, or probably nearly a season now, it's an exciting time to be a Newcastle supporter, and things are a little bit better than what they were from the last time you were on. So, um, yeah, there's been a there's been a bit to get through. Uh, a little bit we want to get through with you. Um, I was thinking we'll start uh, start with you back in October. Um, you, along with Dimmy, were lucky enough to go to a game this year. Now, unfortunately, you were due to go with your old man. And he got a bit crook. So your son, Noah, actually filled in and got to take mm. the trip of a lifetime over. How was that? Mate, it was awesome. Yeah, so the day Noah finished his HSC, uh, October 25th, we got on a plane that night and um, I you had to wait to, to plan because of the Premier League fixtures coming out. So we, <laughs> we did a little tour of England. Um, we ended up doing in 13 days, we went to 10 games, so which was pretty cool. Um, yes. Across all levels of the, the pyramid, we went up to Scotland to see Celtic play. Uh, went to a Europa League game with Manchester United. Went to a couple of Champions League games. Went to a championship game with Hull and, and Middlesbrough. So wherever there was a game on, we drove to. But the, the three games involving Newcastle we got to were an under-21s um, at St. James's against Sunderland under-21s. So um, we got to see a derby. That's the only derby we get at the moment, yeah. given how, how well they're going. Yeah. Um, and and two Premier League games involving Newcastle, the, the Villa thumping at home and then away uh, at St Mary's against Southampton. So 8-1 uh, aggregate over those two games that we saw in the Premier League. And, man, the, those two atmospheres just before the World Cup, obviously. So we were, that's when I reckon we were at our peak, absolute peak this season. We're absolutely flying. And, um, yeah, taking care of business against teams below us on the ladder, which hasn't always been the case, of course. No. Like, how – so was that Noah's first time going over? He, he went over the only other time I've been able to go because I've always worked during um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, season, same season like, yeah. on, on the Premier League. So I never got yeah. to go. So <laughs> I went to one game in, uh, it was the end of 05, I reckon it was. Um, an Arsenal game at St. James's where we won 1 0. It was actually the night that Arsene Wenger complained that Alan Shearer was, should have been doing judo. Um, and <laughs> Went to that one and Noah was six months old. So he's actually been over there. He didn't come to the game because he's too young, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this this was the first time that he got to see it in the flesh. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have been to some high-level foot, football games around the world, including a few World Cups. But uh, this took the cake for pure atmosphere and emotion. It was fantastic. Even though it was just yeah. a regular Premier League game, if you can call Newcastle games these days, regular Premier League day, games, they're, they're, they're almost like events in themselves. They are, yeah. There's well, 19 events, at least 19 events every season. Yeah. Dimmy, you, unfortunately, you don't have something to compare it to because the Forest game was your first game. So I dare say that you could concur with Adam what the event was like. 
Yeah, it was unreal. I mean, I was lucky enough to make a quick jaunt from the honeymoon off to off to Newcastle to <laughs> to see to see the game, which was which it'll was never nice. not be funny. No, well, it, it, I'm just telling calling a spade a spade. It, it, yeah, it was all above board, and the missus approved it, so that's all that matters. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was unreal. I mean, the morning of the game, I, I was that excited, I, I couldn't sleep. I probably woke up about six thirty seven in the morning. I think I flicked on I flicked on KO. I was maybe watching some footy just to pass the time, and then got to Got to the pub, I reckon, about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I thought, oh, I might have an early one just, just, just to settle myself in. And uh, just just being amongst amongst the the faithful and, and the Geordies all afternoon, really, and then your first time walking to the game and you, you see the statues. And I was lucky enough to, to sit in the Gallagher end and the, the view was unreal. The atmosphere was, was unreal. Obviously, it was the first game of the season. There was a... Unbelievable display by War Flags. It was the the feeling that I got when the players walked out. It was it was unlike probably the only thing that could compare to it was probably the feeling I had when I went to the 2018 World Cup when Australia came out against France. That was my first World Cup game, and that was sort of hit me in the face. Thinking, "Geez, look at this!" But the atmosphere wasn't the same that day, obviously, because there wasn't 52,000 screaming Australians watching that game, but. There were fifty thousand screaming Geordies, and obviously there was a few Forest fans as well up in the gods. But the atmosphere was just <laughs> something to behold, and and I mean the whole the whole day was superb. I mean the I love the pregame, the 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 pub, the pub crawls, and everything like that. That's all fantastic. But to be in the stadium and to see two good goals, see a victory, just see the whole experience was something that I'll cherish. And as as you as you guys know in the in the chat, I've been desperate to get over again. Obviously, not easy. Not easy to make <laughs> Melbourne to uh, to Newcastle, but uh, sometime soon we can uh, we can do it again. It's uh, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good to Adam because that's how like taking your your kids there. That's how you suck them in for life as well. Like it's it's easy to support on this side of the world, and you can watch as much footage as you can and lucky with Optus you can throw on some classic games and tell him about all the superstars we used to have to play for mm-hmm. us now but now he's seen in flesh the new superstars so he's seen the Bruno in the flesh he's seen Callum Wilson and he's seen Joel Linton and, and Sven Botman so that's the hook isn't it now you've you now you like if there was any doubt now you've got him for life yeah oh he was he was certainly hooked before, but definitely like it's it's in concrete now, absolutely. And uh, my uncle still lives over there. Um, my dad's brother he uh, he lives just on the edge of the town, more in a in an apartment there. And funny story, actually, we we went and stayed with him for four days. And Noah Noah plays a bit of football here, so he was he was just ticking over over there. He went for a couple of runs around the block and and things like that. And he he pops out one morning and. Um, he walks the first, you know, you walk the first 300, you kind of loosen up. It was pretty cold. So he's walking up and he just got into a jog when this Range Rover pulled out of this driveway and he kind of had to stop and bye-bye and he saw who was in it. It was Eddie. Hey, Eddie, how you going? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept, and no he way. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah, he nearly got run over by Eddie. That would have been something to tell. Um, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have had grandkids to tell, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wow. crazy. Now... You also were lucky enough to go to the World Cup in November and you got to see our new signing, probably not for the first time, but yeah. got to see him for Australia for the first time. How how was that? Yeah, the, the World Cup was awesome. Um, I got to go to uh, 18 matches all up I went to. Oh. So because Doha, like seven of the eight grounds were within a 30K um, radius of each other. It was oh, perfect. Like, Mind blowing. So yeah. I took full advantage. Went to at least one game, if not two games a day. Went to all the Aussie games. Obviously covered them for Code Sports. Was doing a lot of writing around around the whole tournament and and on different like just as many topics as possible. Didn't take it for granted. Absolutely loved the experience. Interesting cultural experience. But to see Garang there do what he did, it kind of put him on the map. Absolutely. Now that that works both ways because obviously he's got a name for himself, but he's got a reputation now to uphold and. Obviously, um, the weekend before last, he had a, or it was a midweek game actually against Rangers. He had a 
a rough initiation where he started. He started in midfield, unfamiliar position, huge game, big opponent. Mm. Yeah, got substituted after 45 minutes. So it's a football education for him. I'm surprised he's actually gone up to Scotland to um, to get going. I, I would have thought Newcastle would have lent him to someone somewhere on the continent where it's not as it's physical, but it's, yeah, it's total helter-skelter stuff in Scotland. It's, it's, yeah, it's not fun. It's, yeah. For 95 minutes. So it's a, it's a tough initiation for him. So he'll learn a lot in the next six months. Yeah, because I think like, I think most sort of Scottish fans over here would either go for Celtic or Rangers. Like, yeah, anyone else is sort of a dime a dozen. And I think most, most fans probably do tune into the old firm derby over here. If like, as a neutral, if, we're lucky enough a lot of the time they're on at 9.30 or 10.30 at night with their early kickoffs and stuff like that. So that, yeah. that's all we see is that game and think, oh, shit, it's not too bad. But when you sort of dig a little bit deeper and you watch the rest of it, it's not it's not as good. But I think I was I was happy for him to go over just purely for the first six months. Young kid, first time overseas, sort of without his family and support. Like at least he's got a few Aussies there to help him sort of yeah. settle in as well. So I, I was looking at it more from a – personal point of view rather than a development point of view, like a sixth month sort of settle yourself in, come back here in June or July and we'll figure out what we want to do. Train for a little bit with the first team. Edinburgh's not too far as well from, from Newcastle. So um, yeah, yeah, my geography isn't great, but it's only a couple of hours away. So yeah. It's... Nice train ride too. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful train um, ride. Amazing. So, so that's, that's also an advantage. So I'm, I'm sure with with some loan deals, I'm I'm sure there's times where Eddie might even ask Hearts if if Green can come train with us for a couple of days if Hearts got some time off or something. So that makes that a bit easier. But but Adam's right, it is a a brutal league and it it can it can break young players. I mean, we saw what happened to Arzani when he went over early days and he obviously got an unfortunate injury and he didn't kick on after that World Cup as probably we all all Aussie fans were hoping. So. Hopefully the same thing doesn't happen to Garang and he and he st- stays fit and gets gets a lot of minutes. But but yeah, it definitely will be an initiation into British football at least. Yeah, that uh, if that um, Argentinian goal went in, oh shit! Oh, I don't know what would have happened if that went in. I lost my mind. So yeah, I, we, yeah so I, did you have to pay Adam or did your um junior accreditation? No, you could you, just sort of you get accreditation. So I got accreditation to all these games and yeah. Um, oh, perfect. You, you, you've got your accreditation lanyard around yeah. your neck. There it is there. Oh, perfect. There you go. So you got that, basically. And is that the same photo we used on our tweet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what you got to do with accreditation is make sure you use a really young-looking photo. No, yes. it's actually not the same one. I'm, I'm a bit older here. Um, there's a... There's a couple of bags forming under the eyes and the, the hair's going backwards. But um, So you got that and uh, basically that gives you access to the games but you have to subscribe to the games and then you get a little ticket that goes in the back here to slot in oh, each yeah. game. We're downstairs. Yeah. But see this, how it's broken and it's snapped. That oh. all happened when Garang missed his chance because I grabbed this. <laughs> Stood up, I swore at the top of my voice, and I ripped it off my neck and like threw it on the ground like that. So, that we had the yeah, we had the same. I was at, I was lucky enough to be at uh, at uh, Fed Square or Red Square as we were calling it during the World Cup. And uh, if the scenes when we scored, the scenes when we scored the first one were were big. But geez, when when Garang turned and time still stood still, everyone was just waiting for the net to bulge. Yeah. And somehow Martinez made the save, and if that went in, I don't think Fed Square would be here today. I'm pretty yeah. sure it would have, uh, <laughs> yeah. it would have gone up in fire. But um, but it was an unbelievable moment. I mean, it's a what if moment. I'm mean, obviously Argentina win the World Cup, but it just shows for me in terms of Garang and what Newcastle's going to get with him. The moment, obviously, the save was made. He didn't score, but the composure at least to bring it down and and he got a decent shot away. It wasn't as if it was a a fluffed effort. He still had the composure to be in that right position, and he's always, always has that something about him. That he's always in the right position. He makes good decisions for someone who's so young. So I'm sure yeah. he'll he'll learn from that. Well, there's a game on the weekend against Dundee where he, Dundee United, I should say, he um he, he he basically got rid of his opponent by putting him on his back, 
letting the ball go through and then rolling the opponent twice to open up an acre of space and going through. Like, that's just instinct. Like, he's he's such a clever player. But I noticed at the end of that game, he was only a substitute who came on for 30 minutes. He could barely run. He was like, he was gassed. He was doing a lot of yeah. running. He was doing a lot of covering. He was doing his job. But at right at the end of the game, when the guy scored from his own half, um, Garang couldn't, couldn't pick his feet up. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that, but that's what he's got to get used to. He's... Like it's a totally different atmosphere, environment, intensity to here, and it's good for him. Single swim, absolutely. Um, we'll just touch on a bit of news that broke overnight for us. Um, Jimmy Craig Hope, a friend of the pod, also I broke the news that the club had purchased back Strawberry Place. That's for those of you who don't know, that's the land behind the Gallagher End, which was sold off by Mike Ashley, I think, for about nine million pounds a few years ago, which sort of put a handbrake on any expansion plans to that end of the ground. Um, but they've brought it back now. So what do you think about that? Yeah, massive. I mean, there was initial talk when when they took over about stadium and whether we would need a, a bigger stadium and to relocate. Obviously, me going there for the first time and, and knowing about that arena and, and the location of the stadium is just absolutely perfect. It's in the smack bang in the middle of the city. There's pubs galore around. It's it's right up on top, right on top of the hill. It's it's just perfect location. So, I I would never want to see another stadium built in Newcastle for Newcastle. If they can expand it now with that with that purchase of that land, maybe ten thousand, an extra ten, twelve thousand, maybe to sixty, sixty five. That's probably going to be plenty. And and I think that's potentially what they'll look to do in terms. I think the Gallagher end probably can use a bit of a refresh. So that that might be what they'll do, but. Yeah, it is important to keep St James's Park locale to keep that in the heart of the city because that's what makes Newcastle what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there was talk that they might turn that area into a bit of a fan site for the time being, just before they can finalise plan. I mean, with modern technology, they might find plans that they don't actually need that land and they can upgrade without having to go onto it. But at least they've got it now and it's in their hands. Um, Adam, I'm not sure if you've seen this as well, but there was reports that they are filming a Amazon documentary for the mm. club, an all or nothing type thing, I guess. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm a sucker for for these ones. Um, I was sucked into Wrexham. I was sucked into the Sunderland one, but for different reasons, obviously, because I knew the ending for the Sunderland one and it made me really, really happy. Um, being a sports, not just a journalist, but a, a sports mad fan like yourself, are you... Similar ilk, you love them style documentaries. Yeah, there's a proliferation of them now, so they've got to be done very well. I mean, the Sunderland one was early doors, and I I actually do think they've got it in the wrong section um, of you know, your library. <laughs> it's like docu series drama, it's it's in docu series, but it should be in comedy. So yeah. that's, that's <laughs> my point. Um, I. I love the Arsenal one, actually, because you found yes. out the Arteta methods and the way he does. Like um, the, the the Mourinho one with Spurs was interesting, but it was the Jose show. You could tell he, he totally locked off access to all the players, um, whether or not that was the blueprint going in. Um, but Pochettino got sacked just after they started filming. So Jose came in and obviously wasn't happy about the fact, but the club was tied to it. So Jose's did what Mourinho does and he comes in and makes it about himself to yes. protect the players, which is fair enough. Uh, that was fascinating for, for one part, but um, the, the Manchester City one, the Leeds one, I got bored with pretty quickly. Um, so hopefully this one shows enough. I, I think there is enough there with how much the town cares about it. I think visually it's going to be spectacular. Um, yeah. It's such a, like, an interesting city to look at um, with the old industrial area and, the, the new developments that have gone in and um, the old traditional areas and the fact that, as you said, the, the stadium right smack bang in the middle and the contents there as well because Eddie Howe's reinvented himself, obviously, in his time away from Bournemouth and then come to Newcastle and he's now one of the best managers in the league. So, um, yeah, there's enough there, definitely, and, yeah, I'll be hooked to it, absolutely. Yeah, I think they were – I think I read that it's only going to be like a four-parter, so it's not like going to be a long – drawn yeah. out one which you sort of lose interest so i think that's that's pretty important as well just to keep viewers interested and i mean i don't know about you mate but i love watching the um the match cam 
after a game, they put up two or three days after a game on the club's YouTube mm. website. It's basically like a 10-minute video with no commentary, really. It's just they've got their camera set up and you can hear the fans, the players in the tunnel and all that. So if that's a, anything to go by, even that little bit after the um, – this. Oh, what game was it? The Leicester game when Dan Byrne done that dance. That little 20-second bit of Eddie Howe, just, you know, like the way he talks to his players and, and stuff like that. that. I love that stuff, like that sort of coach-to-player talk. So if there's a little bit of that in there, you've got Tyndall, Tyndall going mad as well. <laughs> he might have an episode to himself, actually. Best fan <laughs> in Newcastle, that fella. Yeah, that's, that's what we call him. We had a... We used to have a varnish meter. Just he gets the, the colder it gets, the darker he gets for some reason. So it should work the opposite. Um. So yeah, I actually keen at it. What did you? I think the transfer window was a little bit. Oh, not divisive is probably not the right. It's probably a bit strong, but a few people had different opinions on how that sort of ended for Newcastle. I mean, losing. Shelby and Wood, two sort of first team squad players, and Ali bringing in Aaron Gordon, I guess, as a squad player, which I think a few people thought were maybe a couple of bodies short for the second half of the year. How did you sort of land at the end of the transfer window? Yeah, I'm worried about the middle of the park, and it was exposed, obviously, without Bruno against West Ham, but mm. that's about the only concern. Um, look, that. They could have brought another couple of bodies in, but mm, do you want to bring him on line? I was surprised that they let Shelby go, but obviously they've got they've got to think that they're forward planning. They've got to think about wage bill. They've got to think about financial fair play, especially yeah. given what happened this week. The other <laughs> As we <we're> found <laughs> out, yeah. <laughs> they're really tiptoeing around that. You can tell. Um, and and Chris Wood, it was a shame that that he had to go. Um, but these are wage considerations, I think, as much as as football decisions. Yeah. Um, big calls, but look, I think with Gordon coming in, it, it's a little bit of the first sign that Eddie and the coaching staff realise that they've got to evolve the team. Um, they are, we are relentless. We are intensity through the roof. We um, not batter teams into submission the traditional way of just kicking the shit out of them, but we batter them with our intensity and our ambition to win the ball back and give the opposition no time on the ball. Now, that's great, but there's you saw it against Arsenal that when there's a better footballing team on the pitch and they get it right with their pressing, well, then we're just, we're just there kind of setting up a block. So how does that change? Because that maybe this is a look forward to Eddie thinking that we're going to be in Europe next year because we're going to have that situation in Europe. We're going to play as good, if not better, footballing sides than us. So how does that this is where I'm intrigued about where our team goes in the next 12 months. It's the evolution of the team. Because if, if, if we're still playing the exact same football as we are now in 12 months' time, I don't think that'll be necessarily a good thing. So I'll, I'll be intrigued to see how we add some more attacking dash and finishing touch to, to what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think we did speak about, it might have been before the Leicester game as well, Dan Ashworth had a pre-gamer with Sky Sports and he was sort of kept his powder dry. I think he was really sort of watering down expectations for this January transfer window and pretty much said if, if anything comes up that we like, we'll act. But if not, we're, we're pretty much putting all our eggs in, in the summer basket and trust our players to sort of finish off the rest of the season as well. Um, yeah. Dimmy, I don't think – oh, we might have just touched on it last week, but are you, are you sort of the same thing? Just we're probably – Maybe a little bit of overachieving the first half of the season, but we're happy with what we've got. I'm not sure you'd call it overachieving because I think for the last 12 months, we've been a top four team. If you look at our results, we've been a top four team. I think the last time Adam came on, probably 12 months ago, roughly, we were obviously fighting relegation. But the form from then, <laughs> the form from then basically till now is has been fantastic. And we're obviously drawing a lot of games we're not we're not losing we've lost one league game all season so i i'm i'm a little bit not not happy that we haven't just rushed and bought players i'm 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 glad that we've got a plan i think we haven't had a plan for forever it seems like and we just buy on a whim or Shefki Kuchi comes in last minute because we lose <laughs> Andy Carroll and 
who knows who knows what else is around the corner when with the old regime. But at least now you can see they're planning for one transfer window, two, three transfer windows in advance. And I think, like Adam said, the wage bill is a, is a huge consideration. I think Shelby would have been on massive wages. Chris Wood coming from Burnley, us getting him from Burnley, we would have had to give him top wages. And they're two, two big earners who are not playing. So I think it's a it, it's been a smart move to get those guys off the books. And I think it's going to be important, obviously, for the rest of this season for us to, to keep everyone fit and not suspended like Bruno did the other week. That would be ideal. But... It's it's gonna be it's gonna be how we evolve, and I think you just got to trust Eddie at this point that whoever he's gonna bring in, even if they're a no name to us, or even if we've never seen them play in that position, like Joe Linton, no one ever saw him play centre midfield. All of a sudden, <laughs> out of necessity against Norwich, he plays centre mid for an hour. Now he's one of the best midfielders in Premier League, if not in Europe. So who knows if if we lose another midfielder, whether it's Longstaff or or Willock or or Big Joe, who's to say he puts a Harrison Ashby or he throws a spanner in the works, puts an Anthony Gordon deeper or, or he does something like that where that we're not expecting mm. that he's already seen. So I, I'm I'm sure they're not they're not stupid. They they're not gonna just release plays without any plan. So I think we just gotta trust Eddie and he's earned that trust and, and let's let's see how we go. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at their record since they've come in, they haven't missed. I think every player they've brought in has been a hit, not just on the not a hit, but they've been They've been the right player both on the field and off the field, which is probably more important. You don't want someone, and I think he spoke about this publicly, you don't want someone coming in, upsetting the dressing room and, and things like that. Like they've built a pretty good culture in that in the club at the moment. Everyone gets on, even on the match cam. I was watching again the other day when uh, after that Southampton game and they're coming up the tunnel and John Joe Shelby's in another room and Callum Wilson sticks his head in. He's like, hello, Johnny. Hello, old boy, and then just grabs him and drags him into the change rooms as well. <laughs> like, like this is a guy, he's just left. Like he's not even at the club anymore and they bring him in, make him feel a part of it. And I even read like Eddie Howe's been ringing Kieran Clark to see how he's going, how's the kids and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think that speaks volumes of the type of culture and, and stuff like that that they've created in just a little over 12 months as well. But, yeah, Dimmy, I will like to just expand on that point. With our draws, Adam, is it a concern for you? Is it is it worrying sort of our post World Cup form, or is it just a case of like the start of the year where we did draw a few games? Our sort of metrics and our stats were still pretty good. We just lacking that goal to sort of kill teams off. Yeah, a little bit. It was eventually going to catch up, and look, we're we're drawing games that ordinarily, if you don't play at your top, you lose. So. There is that. I, I, it's hard when you, when you get to this bit. I play a lot of golf, and you sometimes finish nine holes, and you're two or three under your handicap, and you're feeling great about life. You're feeling fantastic, and <laughs> and at the moment Newcastle are probably four under their handicap. I, I put us at, at eighth at the start of the season as par. So when you play golf, if you're two or three under your handicap and you get to the end of the round and you're even with your handicap, you go, oh, it's good. I would have taken it when I got the car, the, the clubs out of the car this morning, but, oh, man, I've let a, let, let a bit slip in the yeah. second half. That's yes. probably how it's going to feel if we slip in this second stage. But, I mean, you, you've got to try and keep it bigger picture or medium-term picture rather than just looking at the ins and outs each week or looking too big picture and going, it doesn't really matter. It's somewhere in between in my opinion but yeah if, if we if we stick to fourth or fifth that's that's beyond my wildest expectations of this year i don't know about you guys yeah, yeah I, I had us what you have to me what were your what do you think yeah, we finish at the same side on, of the year? yeah on our preview pod i i was i was like adam i said if we finish eighth and a decent cup run i mean decent cup run for me didn't mean make wembley <laughs> bonus <laughs> it's obviously not in my wildest dreams that i think we're going to ever win three or four cup games, but yeah, decent cup run and finish eighth. And that would have been a par. I mean, no one would have expected this season, Liverpool and Chelsea to be as poor as they've been and Tottenham moving up and down. Obviously Man United have picked up form and they're sort of hanging around us, which is a bit annoying, but it, it there's spots there, the top six position, which I didn't feel was going to be available to us this season with our squad depth is there. So it's like Adam said, we're way over our expectation. I think we just have to manage as hard as it is. It's going to be 
we have to manage what we expect of of the team because obviously we're we're not losing games. We're still we're still picking up points. It's not it's not all bad. Points mm. points are going on the board. So as long as we remember the fact that we're not losing and we're actually picking up points to our total, <laughs> then I think that's that's very important to to reiterate. Yeah. Yeah. And- Going Sorry, guys, just quickly, the, the, uh, I'll reiterate again, you guys mentioned it as well about what's got us here as well. It, 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 like when Klopp's interviewed and other managers are interviewed, it's the question is coming from the journal. It's not like they're bringing it up, but the question is coming, what do you make of Newcastle spending? And then they start going on about, oh, yeah, states owning clubs and blah, blah, blah. Um, we're only in this position. I wholeheartedly believe this. I, yeah, we've been helped in the transfer market, but it's right recruitment, but it's the coaching. It's the improvement in the players that are mm. there. Now, if Eddie can somehow get a little bit more out of these players in the second half, which will be required to hold our position, again, it's it's like another um, wonderful advertisement for how good this guy is in teaching football, basically. So if, if that can continue, that's the main thing. But that is the overriding contributing factor about our rise this season. It's what he has done on that training pitch. Yeah. And even, even just expanding on that, I mean, the players we bought weren't exclusive to us. Like anyone could have gone and brought Bruno or anyone could have tried to get Sven Botman or brought Nick Pope for 10 million. Like it, <laughs> it wasn't just a close shot for us so we can pick what we like. And I, even, even the transfer thing annoys me as well, because for years and years beforehand, we were basically neglected in the transfer market. And, the spending of other teams was nowhere near what we'd even spend. So, it, like for two windows, people, oh, you spent this and this, yeah, but we had to because we never spent anything else for the last five years. So, like yeah. we actually we ran a profit. Like <laughs> that's how <Yeah. laughs> that's how little we spent. Like it yeah. sort of it makes me not angry, but it just makes me laugh. But yeah, Eddie Eddie's coaching is the is the difference and. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. You can look at your Bruno and your Sven Botman and, and stuff like that, but he still yeah. had Sean Longstaff and he still had Joel Linton and, and these guys. Miggy, oh, yeah. Miggy. Yeah. Fabian, so, Cher, Fabian Cher wasn't getting the yeah. game. He was about yeah. to leave. Yeah, he couldn't get a game and now he's an absolute – he'd be in the conversation for most underrated player of the season, I reckon, yeah. in the Premier League, not just not just for us. Um Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on to this this week's game. Anyway, it's against Bournemouth. It's at the Vitality Stadium for a five thirty pm kickoff in the UK. It's the graveyard shift for us on Australian Eastern Daylight Time with a four thirty am kickoff. Uh, Three thirty for the Queenslanders and anywhere else. I can't be bothered working it out. So check your local guides no, for a, details. It's a, it's a put, put no spoilers on Optus at six thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or if you've got a young kid, yeah, gets gets up and you might catch the second half if you have to change a nappy. Um, So Bournemouth are currently 19th on the table. They're two points ahead of Southampton, who are stone motherless last. They haven't had a win in their last eight games, League and Cup. Um, At home this season, they've won three, lost four, drawn three. Not in the best of form, as their table suggests. Dimmy, how do you see this one going, mate? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, graveyard shift, yes, in terms of Australian time, but prime time Sky Sports game over there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's going to be obviously a big big build up in Bournemouth. Eddie Howe coming back to Bournemouth. I'm pretty sure his first game at their stadium. Obviously, there's been a couple of games. The league game at St James's where we drew, and then obviously the cup game where we won one nil. So there's been a couple of return bouts already with um with Eddie against Bournemouth but look it's going to be it's going to be interesting i think the fact that we've drawn the last couple of games and, and not picked up points makes this game probably not more important but sharpens the focus i think i think the team will have a sharpened focus this week and we'll get through the we'll go through the what we expect the lineup to be in a sec but i do think that we're going to come up with come out with a different mentality this week it was it had to be hard for the players to recover after that euphoric victory against Southampton three or four days before the, the West Ham game. And like like we've said before, we haven't got the biggest squad and we're virtually playing the same team minus one or two players every game. So it had to have been a big one-side physical, yes, but also mental toll on the players. So you can probably forgive the players for 
petering out against West Ham last week. But I think this week with a full week of training, I think we're going to be uh, razor sharp. Yeah, the only the only concern I've got is probably we're going to be in our um, Saudi kit, which we haven't had much success in so far this season. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring up Dimmy's uh, predicted 11, and that's it there. So he's unchanged from last week's game against West Ham. Now I'm going to get Adam to critique it. How do you see this? Would you do the same or would you bow to, oh, seems to be Twitter pressure and maybe drop ASM and bring Anthony Gordon in for his first start? I like, I don't know if my opinion about what I would do really counts, but what I think Eddie's going to do is do exactly that and bring Gordon in to start. Um, Maxie, I think he's, he's so much more dynamic off the bench for 30 minutes, in my opinion, uh, against tired legs. I'd, I'd much rather see him against a, a tired outfit than um, than that. And he probably won't cop it. And I dare say that he won't be at the club next season um, because of it, which is fair enough. It, it, life goes on. But I, I just think Gordon um, offers a bit more to start with. And um, let's test him. Yeah. So I, he's obviously, he's one of the most divisive players we've had definitely in the last 30 years. You're either you're on him or you're off him. I don't think there's much uh, middle ground. Now, I didn't think he was too bad last weekend, but the thing that killed him was Anthony Gordon doing what he did when he came on. And I think yeah. that that sort of made him look a lot worse than probably what he actually was. And he sort of looks a little bit confused now where is he defending too much and it's taking away his attacking instincts. And with a player like him, it's really hard to find the balance. Um, I did see Isaac's back in training this week, so I dare say he'll be back on the bench. Um, yeah. Wilson's goal last week probably kept the Wolves at bay for for people um, clamouring for Isaac to uh, to take the starting spot over over Callum Wilson, even though I still didn't think he played the best, but that goal definitely helps. Um, so, yeah, you, you would go with Anthony Gordon, Adam? Yeah. Or do you think yeah. Eddie would? I just think it's... Max is suited to coming off the bench because it's it's a lot it's double double harder to play um, as a winger at the start of a game than it is with thirty to go. It's, it's mm. just pure fact. It's like it's, it's, it's a bloody hard position um, to play against fresh players. So yeah, I'd I'd do that. Yeah. What about you, Dimmy? Did you did you have a feeling to lean towards Gordon, or you think Eddie would just play with the same 11 again and, and give sort of the new guy another week of training? Look, I I think knowing Eddie, usually he doesn't bring in new players straight away. He sort of likes to bed them in slowly off the bench. But obviously Gordon's performance off the bench was was telling. It was almost match winning. I mean, the through ball he put through for Wilson was, was sensational. And Callum Wilson probably dallied on the ball a little bit too long and if you think about it, if, if we had Isaac on the bench and, and that's a through ball to Isaac, that's probably the winning goal and Gordon's the hero and then probably he's definitely starting this week. But I think Maxi hasn't started a game, I'm pretty sure, since either August or September. So it was his yeah, first start a for, a very, yeah, for a very long time. So it's been hard for him to get continuity and obviously everyone knows his talent on the ball and everyone remembers how we played against Manchester City earlier in the season, completely ripped apart Kyle Walker like he was like he was a nobody. So he's got that in him, Maxi. But um now now that Adam's mentioned that super sub role of I'm hoping that Eddie sees the same thing because it's not it's not a role that should be diminished in football. That the super sub I don't want to mention a Man United player, but Solskjaer role or <laughs> the the super sub Garan Qual role like Qual was doing for Mariners but he wasn't starting. Yeah that's better. Yeah yeah. The, qu- yeah, he the qual yeah, roll. Let's go the with qual that. Roll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The qual roll. Yes. <laughs> people, people might not know who from our UK viewers. He wasn't starting basically any games for Central Coast Mariners. Most of the time, he was coming off the bench and playing twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes, sometimes a half, but no more than that. So, and that role is important. That role, if you come off the bench and change a game, that's an important role to have in the team. And I think we've had our squad lacks obviously lacks depth and. And quality, but if you, if you have the luxury with starting someone like Gordon, who's obviously a good player, but bringing on a Maxi with 25 minutes, he, he could get you a goal or set up a goal and be that match winner. There's nothing wrong, obviously, in Maxi's eyes, he'll probably think differently, but 
from the from a club perspective, there's nothing wrong with keeping your powder dry with Maxi and having him have that super sub role. He might be the difference between us winning a couple more games and, and or drawing a couple of games. If he's coming off the bench fresh, as defenses tire, he he might be able to make a difference. So I think that's a good point by by Adam and I reckon I'm hoping Eddie uh, sees sees the same. I think Gordon off the bench was good, but Maxi off the bench could be dynamic. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't know if you guys follow basketball, but when Andre Iguodala was asked to come off the bench for the Warriors when Steve Kerr sort of took over and he embraced that role and he really took it. Now, I'm not sure if Allen's quite as team orientated as what Andre is, but if he could embrace that role, I mean, he could stay here for a few more years yet and and play that half an hour super sub. I don't think his tanks, probably like you said, Adam, I don't think his tanks where it needs to be for a wing act because it is a hard position and he plays on turbo. He doesn't really have a cruise control. He's everything he does is at speed. So he yeah, sort of burns you, his tickets pretty quick. And when you've got, when you've had an injury interrupted season and you, you haven't got any continuity, you just don't have the miles in your legs that the other players do. And it becomes automatic that, that their second win kicks in after 10 minutes and then they can just go and go and go. So Maxi doesn't have that. You can see it. He, he just doesn't have that pace. Unfortunately, so um, yeah. Hopefully, he he can fight it in the second half of the season because we've got a, like the, the season's literally just over halfway done. It feels like we've been going for because of the World Cup break. It feels like we've been going for a year, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a long, long way to go. Yeah, and I think especially with only bringing Gordon in during the transfer window, I don't think these players can keep playing with the intensity that they play at for the rest of the season. I think rotation is going to be important, and not so much like a like that FA Cup game where a whole 11, but every now and then, like a player drops out, mm. he might just come off the bench for the for a 20-minute role and he, he sort of gets a bit of a spell that way as well. So it could be he could be a really important player for the rest of the season. Um, but I'll do what you said, Dimmy, about um, how Eddie doesn't like to bring guys in. I think he likes bringing in English players who know the league. I don't I think he feels comfortable with like a Trippier and I think um, Matty Target played pretty much straight away as well when he come in. So it was only like a Bruno. I think Botman might have started the first game on the bench, but yeah. Come in yeah. as well. Yeah. So like he was that was more of a forced a forced move because um I think Target might have got injured and then yeah. Dan Byrne went out to left back, which opened up that that centre back role as well. So I think he does I think he doesn't mind starting the English guys because like Gordon knows the league, he knows the players is He's well accustomed to everything. So I don't think he'd have any hesitation starting him if he thought he was ready. Um, all right, we'll get on to the predictions now. Demi, do you want to fire your prediction out? Your match prediction, not a Nostra, Nostra Demi prediction or anything like that. Well, you're, 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 you're going to be known as Kegadamus now because you're on a, no, you're on a hot streak. So I'm I've gonna, retired. Well, you've retired, have you? Okay, you're going to retire yeah. on top. I think you've got four yeah. in a row. So that's, yeah, four, uh, four correct scores in a row, Adam, if you're keeping track at home. Really? Yeah, so if you've. Yeah, yeah he has. So. <laughs> Shit. So if you. Have you monetized that or? Yeah, sports better bear me. So I can't get on. <laughs> Owner account, misses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I think, uh, look, I think, we'll, I think we're going to get the chocolates. I think you've got to trust a, a full week of training is going to be. Very important for the boys to get some rest and, and get some get some training into the legs. I think it's great to see Isaac's back. I think he's going to be a vital part of the second half of the season. I think I, I hate the saying when they say, "Oh, an injured player comes back and it's like a new signing." But for Isaac, yeah. it basically is because he's only played about two or three games, so he's, <laughs> and scored in most of them too. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, and and yeah. and you can just tell he's absolute quality. So having him off the bench or for, for half an hour, 25 minutes is, is going to be crucial. I think I think we're going to win. Let's go 2-0. Beautiful. Adam? Oh, looking at, I'm just looking at Bournemouth's record right now just to remind myself. I knew they had the worst defence in the in the league, but, I mean, at either end, scoring goals has yeah. been their issue. <laughs> you know, we're obviously pretty good at not conceding, um, as we know, well know. But they've scored one goal... I'm thinking, and in the league since uh, they beat Everton three nil on the thirteenth of November. So that before yeah. the last game before the World Cup break. So and that shouldn't count because Lampard was still in charge. So <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Was Anthony Gordon playing that day, by the way? Let me have a look. He probably um, would have been. No, he wasn't. Oh, he oh. came off the bench. Yeah. He came off the bench and played uh, 16 minutes. So, yeah. Um, oh. Look, I, I, I can't see them scoring too many against us and I can't see them holding us out if we have an on day. Now, obviously, a lot depends on how we compensate for no Bruno, um, the combinations in the middle of the field. And Bruno is so important watching them live twice is that he is the link. He, he basically plays three positions. He plays number six, defensive midfielder. He plays the box-to-box when he wants to and, and long staff can tuck in, or he can go as high as a number 10 and be the link between the last pass between he and, and one of the front three. So it's an incredible role he plays, and you can't replace that. The, the, the three that they've got there, like, as much as they try, they're different profile. But um, Bruno is the one that we open up so much space in that channel between a centre-back and a, a full-back, um, and that's where a lot of our goals get created, uh, with Miggy's in right, uh, runs in behind or or Willick doing the same or if it's Joel Linton out there. But uh, that's a massive miss. Now, if we can plug that or change the way we play a little bit, which I wouldn't mind either, um, yeah, Bournemouth are in for a tough afternoon, I think. You got a score? Three one. Three I think one. I will score. Right. After saying all that, I yeah. think I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look, they're under the pump. So you, you've got to respect an opponent that's totally under the pump in front of their home fans with a big, big team coming to visit. They'll they'll lift themselves. So we've got to expect that. We've got to walk into that. And it's it's a tricky place to go because it's a tiny, it's the smallest ground in the Premier League, but there's a good atmosphere, good ambience there. So look, I, I think they'll lift, but if we stick to what we've been doing for the entirety of the 90 minutes we we should get the job done yeah i'm predicting a win i'm just not going to give a score because like i said i've fought a row and the last thing i want to do is ruin my track record as a famous uh talkback caller once copped um i'll toby from newport google uh, youtube toby from newport if you haven't heard it it's an absolute cracker um that just about wraps us up for tonight um Adam, thanks very much for joining us, mate. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking all things Newcastle with you. Uh, if you've made it this far and you live in Australia, I'm not sure if overseas people have access to Code Sports, but subscribe to uh, Code Sports. Follow all of Adam's work on there, which is fantastic. I can subscribe. I have subscribed and I can subscribe to They are really good pieces to read. Uh, Dimmy, thank you very much for joining us, mate, for another preview uh, good luck to your Philadelphia Eagles on Super Bowl Monday here in Australia. Hopefully the big former Saint Aaron Sipos can get himself a ring. <laughs> I can't remember the other old mate's name. It's too hard to pronounce. Jordan Jordan yeah, there you go. I hope he, he's, hope he a, can... he's a rugby yeah. league, he's an ex-rugby he's league player. Front rower. <laughs> I don't think he was a front rower. I'm pretty sure oh. he was either yeah, I'm pretty sure he was either a center or a, he was he was told a... he was too big for rugby league. Yeah. He's six. Oh. He's six. I think he's six or six seven, but weighs about three hundred and forty pounds, um, and he plays a very important position in 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 NFL. So he's he's uh, got a big 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 role to play on Monday, and yeah, hopefully uh, we get the job done. But before actually before we go, Keggs, I do I do have it off work, no, but um, bef- yeah, of course I can't I can't work while watching watch that. <laughs> But before before we let Adam go, it'll be remiss of us to not ask him what what's his feelings about the the final coming up in uh, like we said in about eighteen nineteen ah, days. Ah, yeah, it's great call, great call. It's a it's a massive it's a massive moment. I don't want to build it up too much, but it's a mass. I've already taken a day off work. I'll put it out there now. <laughs> uh, it's it's a massive moment for us as a as a club as a fan base. We haven't experienced anything like this before. Me being. 30 years old now, the only final I remember, and it was a vague remember, memory, was the one in the late 90s against Man United. And obviously they were a top team then and we weren't we weren't that much chop against them. So mm. what are your feelings about the game, Adam? And do you, do you subscribe to the general feeling around, amongst Newcastle fans that we're a genuine, if not 50-50 chance, but genuine chance to actually win? Yeah, it'd be a great game. Like that, I remember those two finals. I'm a bit older than you. I'm 44, so I remember them clearly. My dad was actually at the Arsenal one where he just walked away and he was disgusted because we didn't attack. We just tried to soak up, and mm. Arsenal were red hot that season under Arsene Wenger and all his imports and um, and the Manchester United one as well. It was it was hard going. It was running uphill all day basically. But this one's this one's a 50 50. Um, 
a bit annoyed that Manchester United have a catch-up game in the league and Casemiro is allowed to play. But yeah, no. that's the way it goes. It's going to be a great occasion. Like two evenly matched sides. I, I, oddly enough, before this morning's game, as we sit here and record this, I, I pinned Manchester United as getting on a bit of a roll. And and given all the issues that are happening at like Arsenal and Manchester City, um, you know, Arsenal trying to get across the line and Manchester City got a few other things on their plate as well as football. <laughs> I can see Manchester United making a bit of a run. I'm not saying that they're going to win the title, but they're going to make it very, very interesting with the way that they're improving through the year. So this final is going to be epic. Um, it, it has the makings of a superb final. It's not just one team getting there and being satisfied with it. That Even though we've waited so long, that's not the feeling that I have about this game. And, and I dare say that that's replicated with Eddie Howe's thoughts. So um, can't wait. Haven't worked out exactly what I'm going to do because my son's 17 and... It's on a obviously a ridiculous hour on Sunday night. 3.30 in the morning Monday, yeah. 3.30 in the morning Monday. He probably has to work the next day. He's six foot three. I could get him into a pub, but he need fake ID. I don't know if I go down that road or if we just watch it at home downstairs and make a shitload of noise at four o'clock in the morning watching it. Either way, we'll be watching somehow. We'll be watching together. And, yeah, I can't wait to see it um, all unfold. Yeah, so I was in year eight and year nine for the the last two, and I used to stay at Grandma's house and we'd watch them together. Grandma come from Ashington, so we used to I used to go around there and watch the the two finals with her. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and like you said, it is a genuine fifty fifty, and it's gonna be exciting just to watch us try and win the game. And I, even like this is gonna sound a bit uh, two thousand and twenty three ish, but I'm actually. Really looking forward to the build-up on social media as well. When you like, we get to see all the videos around Wembley and around London, sort of the morning of the game, maybe even the day before the game as well. And it's going to be crazy just to see oh, and no. sort of ex- experience it. It's still on the other side of the world, but get a Trafalgar bit of an Square insight. Is yeah. going to get <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> It'd be lucky to be still that monument in Trafalgar it's a- Square. It's it's going to be a bad day to be a beer in Trafalgar Square on League Cup final day. Um, so yeah, we can't look forward to that. Um, stay tuned. We're going to have plenty of content coming up in the next three weeks leading up to the League Cup as well. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes and ears peeled for all that. Um, Adam, once again, thanks for your time, mate. Really, really appreciate you jumping on. Um, really lucky that we have someone like you in our country that supports Newcastle and we have access to to talk about all things Newcastle with as well. Um, Dimmy, thanks again, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks everyone for watching and listening. Um, yeah. Thanks very much guys. We'll, uh, we'll catch you later on. Cheers, mate.